What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Husband-in-Law Podcast. All right, I'm super pumped for this week's episode because we had the opportunity to interview a truly amazing couple who is striving to make this world a better place, Wallace and Ashlyn Nelson. Listen in as they share with us some awesome suggestions of navigating through some intense parenting and co-parenting situations gracefully. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband-in-Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband-in-Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. Okay, so since I am just meeting you guys, I mean, I know quite a bit about you just from Instagram and Matt and listening to you on other podcasts, <laughs> but tell us about yourselves. How did you guys come together? What's your family like? What do you do? All the sure. Um, so we're Wallace and Ashlyn Nelson. We have been married just over two years. And it's a second marriage for each of us. And when we got together and got married, we blended two families and made one really big family. So I brought five kids and Ashlyn brought three. So super busy parents of eight kids half the time. And then it's just kind of the two of us rattling around the other half the time. Do you guys have your kids on the same schedule? We do. And is that good? Is that bad? Is it, or just is what it is? We actually really like it. It was interesting at first, our holiday schedule was opposite. Um, Because it's like dad's holidays, mom's holidays. And our kids spent their first Thanksgiving and Christmas opposite. And our kids revolted. They were like, "Uh uh-uh, no more. And so my kids actually went to their dad and petitioned to have the holidays swap. So everything's the same now. So how did did that work with their dad? Because I know that, like, there's been some things where my kids have been petitioning to me. But, I mean, obviously it was definitely coached to -hmm. petition to me. I'm just curious how, like, how that was taken. That's an interesting way to, uh, so one thing about my ex is he doesn't like to cooperate very often, and it was actually probably one of the several few times that um, he, that he was actually totally fine with it. It was no big deal. <laughs> several few times. <laughs> several few <Yeah>. times. <laughs> so we were kind of, we were, honestly were shocked, but we've been super appreciative of the flexibility because that was a big change for him as well. It, it ended up leaving us like a few Christmases without kids Christmas Eve. And so it was just, it was, it was a weird change for everyone. Yeah. Okay. So you guys have been married just over two years. How long were you guys together before that? So we've known each other a long time. One of the other interesting facets about our story is that we actually knew each other as couples when we were previously married. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. We all went to the same gym and got to be friends and had dinner and, went on a trip to run a half marathon one time. And so we knew each other a bit. And then as the years went by, Ashlyn actually got divorced years before I did, five years or so before I did. And so we completely lost connection. You know, it didn't really talk to each other during any of that time. And then as things kind of broke down for me, Ashlyn was a friend that I had that was divorced and, and knew the ropes. And she kind of walked me through a bunch of stuff. Uh, <laughs> As, as I was going through my journey with that. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, and I heard 
that when you guys started being friends, at some point, Wallace, you had to convince her that you were actually dating. Is that true? <laughs> it, it, it is. It is totally true. That was the first really tense conversation that we had, actually, that, um, you know, we find, I, I don't know, it wasn't really like a define the relationship conversation. No. I, I was like, you know, like, we're like dating. And she's like, no, 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 we're, we're just friends. I was like, no, like, this is serious. This is a thing. Like, like this is what we're doing now. No, I, I'm fine. We're good. Like, we're just going to hang out. We're just, what we're doing. He's like, yeah, that's not how this is going to keep working. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. And I love that you're the one that initiated that and pointed that out, Wallace. That it was Wallace, was that, was that a hard conversation for you? No, because I, I don't think I thought it was like a big deal. I don't, I don't think I thought it was a secret. She just wasn't on the same page as me <laughs> when it came to that. I was so scared of failing in a relationship again that I was like, if we just leave this how it is, nothing can go wrong, right? So let's <laughs> just keep being friends because this is working just fine. So how did you overcome that? Because I, I truly believe that there are a lot of people that have that same mentality of, I don't want to get too far further into a relationship because I'm just going to fail again. And that's a true, like, yeah. Yeah. I was a lot of patience on his end. Like I, he really had to just be patient and take baby steps with me. We laugh about this now, but there was a moment where I literally sobbed, like ugly cry, hysterically sobbed because I couldn't understand why I want to spend so much time with me. Like I genuinely was like, I'd been told for so long that like, you're not good enough. You're not worth anything. Like you don't deserve anyone. Like you should just go away. And I genuinely started believing those things. I was told them for so long that I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, (laughs) well, you want to be in my life. You want to be part of my kids' lives. And like, you don't have weird baggage and weird problems. Like why? I really couldn't understand that why. So it was his patience and just persistence of, walking through those baby steps with me and understanding where I was coming from, even though I'm sure it was like beating his head against a brick wall at times. <laughs> <laughs> How far into the relationship was this? Oh, probably a good six, eight months. I think so. Yeah. It was a little ways in. Yeah. And Ashlyn, how did you get to that point where you realized you were of worth, like that you regained your self-worth? It took me a lot of counseling. I am a believer that counseling can be super beneficial to anyone, whether you're healthy or you have things you need to work on or have small things or big, you really have to work through that process and genuinely believe like within you that you are worth that. Cause it doesn't matter how many times somebody else tells you how awesome and amazing you are. If you don't feel that way, you just can't progress. Yeah. And I totally like, that's one of my big things is you have to feel that in you, somebody else telling you that it, like you just said, is not going to get you anywhere. Like that's something you have to believe in you that you are of worth. It yeah, it's, worth. it's uncomfortable. It, it's messy, but it's worth it. That's awesome. I heard a story while listening to Natalie's podcast where you sat in your car or driving to work or something and told yourself over and over again, what was it you were telling yourself? So I had a life coach that I had to say it for like 300 times or something like that. So I set a timer and I had to tell myself that I was more than enough. There were so many times in my life that I was just like, you aren't good enough. You aren't good enough. And I believed that, but that's a lie. Like you are. And so I had to say it over and over. And so it was so interesting because it was like a week exercise and the first day I did it, I literally like was driving to work and just sobbed because I didn't believe that I was worth that. And second day I was like, 
this is really stupid. Like, why am I doing this? What good's it gonna do? Third day, I was kind of like, eh, like whatever. And by the fourth day, I was like, no, like I am good enough. And I was kind of like laughing about it as I was going through this exercise. And it was so crazy that just that week of telling myself that I'm more than enough and I'm good, that it was just the biggest change in who I was and how I felt about myself. And it really made me realize that negative self-think and self-talk impacts your life so drastically. So one of the things that a mentor of mine told me when I was like 18 years old, he told me, I want you every day when you get up to look in the mirror and out loud, tell yourself, like, say, I love you in the mirror to yourself while you're looking at yourself in the eye. And that was really hard to do. <laughs> and I finally did it for like a, a solid week. And it was a, I mean, obviously it's impacted me because I remember, it, you know, years down the line. So anyways. That's awesome. You know, I, I've had the same exercise and it's, it was really difficult for me too. And I think it's so interesting because somehow as people, we have the capacity to be crueler to ourselves than we ever would to anyone else. You know, the things that we say inside our heads are so much worse than we would ever say to another human being. But it's so hard for us to like look ourselves in the eye in the mirror and <laughs> and tell ourselves we accept ourselves and love ourselves, which it's so screwed up and backwards. It, it should be way easier to be nice and way harder to be mean. But for some reason, that's not the way it works in most of our lives. Yeah. So Steve's with us. Steve just Hi. came in. Hey, hey Steve. Steve. Sorry, I'm a little late. I'm to finally meet you. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> so this is Ashlyn and Wallace. Yeah. Hi, guys. So they were just letting us know who they are, kind of what they, yeah. They've been married for two years. Okay. Total kid count eight, eight combined. Any plans? Not, to, any not, plans? not in those two years. I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> no kids together, and we won't. But we did just add a puppy. Like ah, kids is an Was that a good choice? Or bad choice. That's worse than a kid. Gluttons <laughs> <laughs> <No>. for punishment. <laughs> I'm I'm two years into having a puppy, and last week. I was just like, why did I get this dog? <laughs> he's not a puppy anymore. He's a, he's a dog. But. Yeah. So one of the questions I had for you guys is, do you feel like things went pretty smoothly after you got married, combining families and stuff? Or was it Or difficult? you feel like you're still in the thick of it because it's two years. Like I remember- We were a mess two years in. So. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, at moments still are. But <laughs> yeah. So it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. And I think it's a mixed bag we would have signed up for if we'd been given the choice before. And I say that because our children blending has been so much better than we'd been led to expect. Good. You know, we, we just got told, hey, there, you know, there's, there's going to be all this friction and all this trouble. And, and we were going to be putting out, you know, fires with the kids all the time. And that really hasn't been the case. The kids get along really, really well have become great fast friends. Um, we joke all the time that our two almost 16 year old daughters sleep in the same bed every night. So when, when, when we first put them in a room, they had their own beds and every night they would push the beds together so that they could sleep <laughs> to each other. And That's then finally so they, they gave up on that entirely and would just share a twin bed so <laughs> together. And so we finally just saved on that and just got them a bigger bed. And so they still like to share. And that's been really indicative of the bond between most of our kids. So while they still fight, they're still kids. Most of the fighting happens like 
Ashton's boys will fight or my girls will fight, but very rarely do they really have much friction at all between Ashlyn's kids and my kids. So that's been super fortunate. The, the tough part that maybe has been harder than I expected is how much friction we've had um, kind of with exes in that process of us blending. And, and luckily things have, have improved so much uh, with my ex-wife where we're really developing what I'd hoped our relationship could be. In what was the cause of the friction, do you think? One for you, Wallace, in, in your ex, and then Ashlyn for your, you and your ex. So I, uh, I, I don't know if there was any like real specific cause of friction other than that there was a lot of change. And my ex got married recently, which really has made things so much better. You know, we, we've each got a new place we're moving on. And I think we each feel okay about who we are and where we're at. And, and it's like all the heat has gone out of it. But prior to that, after Ashley and I got married and, and kind of before she settled down that way, in any time there was sort of a, an upset to the regular schedule, you know, whether that had to do with, with kind of trading time or, you know, watching kids while, while one of us was gone, like there was just fireworks and heat around all of that. But all that has even smoothed out now and things are thankfully super, super easy. I'll let Ashlyn talk to yeah. some of the friction we've had with her ex. <laughs> it's one of those hard things because I genuinely believe people can find a way to be happy and co-parent. And as Matt and I have talked in the past, that that's been a really hard challenge for me. Um, if I'm not giving in my situation, there's just constant friction. And so we've just learned that it is what it is. We just have to deal with it. We're not going to change it. We can't change it. We can only do what we know how with the tools we have. And so we've just kind of learned to accept it and find as much peace and balance within that relationship that we have. And until someone can take personal responsibility, I don't think that change can ever happen. And that's one thing with um, his relationship with his ex is that they both take personal responsibility and going like, at the end of the day, our kids need to be happy and our kids need to be taken care of. I genuinely feel that way about my kids, that it's about them and they come first. But um, unfortunately that doesn't come back on the other side. And that's hard. Yes. It is. It's painful to watch your kids go through things. It's painful to like have incredible opportunities that if it falls on their dad's night, the answer is just no. So, yeah. and I say, I don't mean to like, I hope this doesn't come across like negative that he's a bad person. It's just, it's just how our relationship works that his time is his time and it's a non-negotiable and there's opportunities that our kids miss out on because of it. So, yeah. And we understand that. Like we totally. have a similar situation to that as well. Not with Steve, but <laughs> yeah, with my ex, I mean, perfect example is, you know, this Thanksgiving that's coming up, like that's this holiday is my holiday with the kids. And the frustrating thing that has happened is that last week, my son reached out to me and said, hey, hey, dad, um, Thanksgiving uh, 5k the morning of Thanksgiving, I'm going to do that with my mom. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. Like, your mom hasn't even talked to me about this. Like, she shouldn't there should be a boundary with the kids of saying, Hey, that's on your dad's time. You're with your dad, like, and not make the plan of inviting the kids to do that with the other parent anyways. Yeah. And how old is he again? I don't remember. He's 12. He'll be 13 in December. Okay. So one thing I've learned is people would always tell me they grow up and they start to see it and it evolves. Yeah. And at 12, even I was like, Nope. I mean, my daughter at 12, like, 
she could have left forever and I would have probably been okay with it at that point because <laughs> our relationship was so strained that I, I couldn't even ask her a question without her snapping at me. Like I was just this terrible, awful monster to her. Now this is your daughter that looks exactly like you, right? Yeah. She's having to process all these things. And over the last year, it's been so interesting is she's a smart girl and she started processing all these things. And she genuinely is one of my best friends. And I have a hard time with that because I think there's a fine line between parents and friends. Um, How old now? She's just turned 16, but they start to realize it. They experience it. And, for my daughter's situation, she's kind of gone through like a mourning process because there was so much hurt and things she was told and experienced and she's had to navigate that. And it was really sad to like watch her grieve the truth and honesty and lies and all the deceit and all of that, whether it was from me or from someone else or elsewhere. So it's interesting because they do figure it out. They do grow up, but in the middle of it, when you're like, that's my holiday, like it hurts. And Right or wrong, it right. happens, unfortunately. Yep. Were you going to ask something? Uh, I was just going to ask if you had any last bits of advice for someone who is trying to get through that tension with an ex. You, you know, the, you offered some anyway, but. The, the one thing um, that we made a really conscious decision to try to do, and, you know, I, I'm sure we're not perfect on it, but, but we're, what we're really pretty good about it is when there is that friction, when, when somebody slings mud at you or says something hurtful or, or, you know, tries to pick a fight that there's that raw emotional want to like throw the mud back. But, you know, really early on we could see that just escalated problems. So Ashlyn and I made a decision that really no matter what came our direction, we weren't getting into the gutter with them. And that, uh, you know, they, they can say hurtful things, they can do what they, what, what, whatever they want to try to disparage or, you know, cause bad feelings about, about what we're doing. But we wanted to stay on the high road there. And we feel like the best thing we can do for our kids is to set the example of living in a way that's not down in that gutter, you know, living the high road. And it was hard, but really it, it was hard for a year or so because, we were still sort of taking all the hits that were coming from the gutter, but we weren't even defending ourselves. We were just kind of staying high road. But the change in a large part that Ashton talked about that we've seen with, with a couple of kids, I think has been directly responsible to that decision of ours because uh, they see us not, not playing down in the mud. And they notice that they're not dumb. They're observant. They see everything. So if you think you can get away with like talking crap about another parent and not have your kids understand that you're in the wrong, it doesn't work that way. They notice that and it feels gross and they, they tend to move away from that. Yeah. That's awesome. And just to add to that, one thing that I've noticed for me is I'm a fair person. Like I just want everything to be fair. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And co-parenting, to be honest, like it's not fair and it's never going to be. And the sooner I realized that, and it took me a long time and, and still I sometimes struggle with it, but just realizing that you're right, it's not fair. And those things are going to happen. It just makes it easier to just move forward with it. What do you think makes it not fair? Like, I mean, in my head, like what first thought that came to mind when you said it's not fair, like, it's not like in my head, it's because the legalities of state to state has made it so that it really isn't fair. But yeah, I I think it's a comparison. We've got some friends that have the craziest, most incredible co-parenting relationships. And I'm like, 
oh, I want that for me. I want that for my kids. I want that for all of us. Like they get together and go trick or treating and they do birthday parties together. And like, it's just that comparison. And I know that's not necessarily a great thing, but I'm going, I have a great example is we found these incredible, this incredible deal to go to Hawaii in February and our kids would miss a couple days of school probably. And we know that with his ex, like there's a great co-parenting relationship, probably not an issue. So I reached out to mine and said, Hey, there's one day that overlaps. Like, is this going to be a problem? That was about 24 hours ago. I've still not gotten a response and I probably won't. Um, and so it's those opportunities where I'm like, we could take our kids and go do this. And to me, that's just not fair where it's like, you can't work out one day and give them this amazing yeah. opportunity. Like to me, that's what's not fair. But again, it's a comparison. So that's probably not fair on his end either that I use that. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, you know, I think is most prevalently tough is, you know, you guys know this, we travel periodically for business and, and we try as much as we can to put all the travel on, um, on times that would be off kid time for us, but sometimes it overlaps a day or two. Yeah. Um, there's a conference that we didn't plan that, that we're not in charge of. And on the plus side, you know, her ex is always really good about being there to watch the kids if there's a day that we're going to miss. But the question of, hey, can we just trade a day? Like, if I'm going to miss this day, can we trade a day so the kids don't miss a day with us, we don't miss a day with kids, is like a non-starter. It's like, it's not my fault you're traveling, you're abandoning, you're leaving your kids. Like, like that's just tough. And and so, you know, that gets to feel a little bit unfair going like, wow, it's, you know, it's not like I'm I'm jet-setting and, and doing glamorous things that, that I, I have to go for work. And like, it, it would be so easy to work out. And I think those are the things that feel unfair is that rather than trying to work something out, which is kind of, better for us, better for the kids. It's just like a flat. There's no way we're going there. Yeah. There's no compromise. And, right. I, and I always try and tell myself like with any good relationship, there's give and take. For sure. And I think, sorry, uh, one last thing I'll, I'll say. And I, I think it's been an example to us though of, of kind of how we don't want to be. We know how that feels and we know that it, it costs the kids stuff. So, and maybe this is kind of the not getting in the gutter thing, but even though we're, we're treated badly sometimes in that direction, we still try to be the co-parents we wish we were being cooperated with. You know, we, we try to behave the way we wish they were behaving with us. Yeah. And that's you the know. exact advice that, that um, somebody just recently gave to me, well, about a year ago gave to me and said, hey, treat them always how you want to be treated. And yeah. you know, in the long run, if you ever had to go back to court again, like the judge would look at that and hopefully, anyways, see that you're trying to work, it, work things out. Right. I love that you bring up not comparing too, because that is hard. Even like, I mean, you have two sides of this in your relationship, just as we have two sides in our relationship of co-parenting and they are not going to be the same because you're working with different people. And so it's hard to separate those and be like, okay, just because this works with this one doesn't mean it's going to work with the other one and figuring out how that works. And just because you can have a good relationship here doesn't mean that on the other side you can, like you might have to totally flip how you see that and do that. And I think I went into our marriage feeling like we were going to have this great relationship with all of the parties and really like fought for that hard and then just got thrown in my face that that is not what's going to happen. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And had to step back and be like, okay, so what does this look like for us? How does it work? Yeah. yeah. And finding happiness in that is all you can do. Yes. Like, yep. Figuring out what's working and not dealing with all the junk behind it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so another thing that I loved that I've heard from you guys is that you guys have made it clear to your kids that you come first, that your relationship 
is first. And that like, if the kids ask you, well, do you love me more or do you love Wallace more? (laughs) Your answer is always, I love Wallace more. And I love that because that's honestly, my daughter asked me that. And that's sometimes hard to answer, but it's true. What did she ask you? Penny asked me if I love Matt more or if I love her more. (laughs) And I always tell her, Penny, I love you guys differently. Like I love you both so much, but it's very different because you are my daughter and Matt is my husband. But I love that you give that straight up answer that it's, you know, I love Wallace more. Yeah. And her kids genuinely like understand that now as they've seen us interact with each other. We kind of have a funny story. We took our kids, was it spring break that this happened? Yeah. Car. Okay. So we took our kids to New, like Newport, California for spring break and because we have so many kids, we have to take two cars to the airport. And you can only imagine getting eight kids to the airport and through security at like 6 a.m. I've learned how to schedule flights better since. But we go, we have an amazing time. We come back and I'm like, all the kids like hop in the car. And I was like, that's weird. I don't feel like I was close enough for the car to be unlocked. But okay, whatever. Get everything loaded in the car. Go to start it. It won't start. I'm like, the battery's dead. That's weird. So he comes over in the other car. We jump it real quick. Get like 10 feet and the car dies again it's out of gas. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. We filled up the car like on the way to the airport. So how is it out of gas? Like (laughs) what's going on? Well, someone in their rush forgot to even turn off the car. So it ran out of gas. And at this point, of course, we're returning from the trip and I booked a 6am flight again. So everyone's just spent. It's 1130. Nobody's eaten anything. Like people aren't as happy as they should be. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I mean, tension's high at this point. And he walks over and he's like, I'll just go to the gas station. I'll get a can of gas. We'll come back. Like, it's totally fine. We do this whole thing. We get to the gas station, fill the car up with gas finally. And it was so interesting because our oldest two daughters said, it's so cool to see two parents love each other so much because he didn't yell at you. He wasn't frustrated. Like, even though like, it was so annoying and we were all so hungry. Like it was fine because our kids weren't used to experiencing that. And we were like, Whoa, what? Wait. Like, so just in them seeing that behavior of, I do love him more than them. And the reason why is because like, that's how I'm treated and that's how I'm respected. And I want them to understand that one day when they have a spouse that they need to love their spouse more than their kids so that they can have that relationship and be that example for their children. I love that. And we don't want to sound like, harsh that you know that, that we let them know that and and they didn't they don't like when you know it, when they ask it and we answer that way they don't like it they give us grief but we've had a chance to explain to them that like this relationship is the core of us being able to be there as a family for all of them and that all of them will move on and have a relationship like this as well but the reason that I think that it's been important even though they teased us about it initially that we would say such a thing is that the playing one parent off another thing really doesn't happen very much. That was a common thing. Like in my first marriage with, you know, my, my kids, natural parents, like they would play mom and dad off of each other to try to get stuff. But they learned pretty quickly that that is not a fruitful Avenue with us because like we're this first and then we'll work out. They aren't going to be able to play the, my kid, your kid nonsense with us that you hear so much about. And a cool thing with that is, I'm the guilty party that caves more than I should to that. Mm -hmm. But he's so good at being able to come at me in a loving way and go, is this really how we're going to do this? Like, is this really where you want to go? Is that the choice you want to make? I'm like, 
oh crap. <laughs> but I'm glad that he knows me well enough to go, I can call her out on this because it's going to help us create a better relationship. And sometimes I just get stressed and overwhelmed as being a mom that I don't even realize it's happening. And I'm just like, no, yep, it's fine. Just whatever you want, whatever's going to make you happy. And he's like, take a step back. So it's awesome. That is awesome. I just had a question and then it went out of my head. Shoot. Shoot. I remember. What? So do you guys, when you parent, when the kids are in your home, do you guys both parent the same as like Ashlyn for Wallace's kids and Wallace for Ashlyn? Like, is that something that just goes across the board? Like you both discipline, you both parent, or do you split that up? How do you do that? So with discipline, it's normally like I'll discipline my children. He'll do his, that I hate the his and mine, like, cause it is an R, but that's kind of how we identify that. Unless it's like an immediate and it's like, he's not there or it's their safety or they're endangered in some sort like that, then we'll address that. But for the most part, we try to keep it as he's their cheerleader supporter, cheerleader supporter. And then we do our own disciplining. That's just something I learned from a friend that she's had a great experience mm-hmm. with her second marriage and yeah. aspect. And so we just kind of took it and ran with it and it's worked really well for us. That's yeah, cool. in any of the like surface stuff, like you're climbing up the outside of the staircase or you, you just left your dishes on the table. Like each of us will talk to all the kids equally and exactly the same there. But if there's a, a heavy issue, like, Hey, this is a, yes. this is a sit down talk. Like you, you really need some correction. Uh, we just made that decision that I would talk to the kids I brought. She would talk to the kids she brought about that. And I think that that's been a really positive thing for us. Yeah. I think that's super healthy, especially with the big stuff, because they do, I mean, it's still Matt's kid or it's still my kid that they connect with the most. So for the big things, I think that's huge. Yeah. Well, as I like your terminology there, though, the kids I brought, the kids she brought, as opposed to my kids or her kids. That is cool. You're good at words. You're good at words. (laughs) Good job with your words. (laughs) I think that's always funny, like when you tell your kids, use your words, like people say that and... But it is true. You got to learn what you say, how you say it does make a difference. It sends a message. Yeah. That is a good point, Steve. Did you guys have other questions? So I have, well. I have lots. You do? Keep going. So Wallace, you had mentioned to me earlier and previously that you have a gay son. Yeah. And how has that been? And I'm not sure what his age is, but like, how has that been working through one, co-parenting with this child, and two, your relationship together and, and parenting this child as well. Um, so again, man, we, we have just been fortunate and blessed and, and lucky and whatever term you want to use, you know, far beyond what our expectations were in a number of ways. And really, that is one of, of, of those ways. So let me just rewind a little bit. I'll, I'll give a little baseline and then kind of rewind some stuff on timeline. But um, our son, Max, he's, he's our oldest. And he came out just a little after we were married. So nearly two years ago, came out and, and let everyone know that he was gay. And, you know, you always, you always I think, would have apprehension about, I, I didn't have any apprehension with Ashlyn at all. And part of the reason for that is, while Max didn't let, anyone else know that he was gay and until he was, you know, going into a senior year in high school, I had a pretty strong suspicion when Max was three. And so honestly, like there was nothing that, that could have been any kind of 
big deal or surprise or shock or, or negativity or just, you know, all these words that you hear people use, which like break my heart because, you know, it's, it's my son that I love. And, and there was, there was no surprise there for me at all. Like I, I'd been buckled up for this conversation for a whole lot of years because I knew the timing had to be right for him. And I wanted to make sure that I was in the right place for him to have a comfortable experience when it, when it came time to talk about that. But since I knew that, you know, I already had that, that feeling. I was able to talk with Ashlyn about that before we ever got married and said, Hey, listen, I'm pretty certain, you know, I'm like 90 plus percent certain that Max is gay. So just so you know, like this is something that is a part of our family. And Ashlyn is like one of the most accepting, awesome, non-judgmental people. And, and I didn't worry about her at all. I didn't know what to expect from Ashlyn's family, just because I hadn't had a chance to have that conversation. They're, they're a very conservative Christian religious family. And I, I worried that there might be some apprehension there. And that is where I feel lucky, blessed beyond my wildest expectations, because, you know, even in the moment of, of uh, kind of all that starting to unfold, they were so incredibly gracious and accepting and loving and anything I could ask for. What were some of the ways that they were gracious and accepting and loving? You know, I think they took it as, as an opportunity to almost double down on the efforts uh, to, to let Max know that he was accepted and loved and, and didn't need to feel different than anyone else in the family. And, and you know, that, that really has been the message for us is like, listen, this, this isn't different. We, it, people make a big deal out of this. Like it's, like it's this super different thing, like Max is Max. And they, they really like have been great examples of that message that Max is Max, no matter who he chooses to love, which is exactly how we feel about the situation. And, and luckily, you know, it's been that pretty much across the board. The only point where we've had issues is, um, you know, Ashlyn's ex that we have friction with is I, I, I would pretty openly use the term like very homophobic um, to the point that, you know, a lot of, a lot of, what we consider very hurtful slurs in our family are used very routinely at home. And I think that that initially was kind of tough for her boys because it was a normal part of life for them to use these, these really ugly and hurtful slurs. But then they would come to our house and that carried weight that carried pain. And it was, it was like not okay. And so we had a little bit of a hard time kind of smoothing that over, but they've been amazing with it. And then just silly stuff has, has broken out of that. Like um, we have a pride parade here in Salt Lake City and, and um, we wanted to go down and, and Ashlyn's daughter wanted to come with us and, or, or no, it was, it, it was, was the, concert. it was a concert and Ashlyn's daughter wanted to go with us and her dad flipped out and he's like, you will not be supporting anything like that. Don't, you can't be a part of that. And so I think they're in a, in an unfortunate place that they have a lot of pull one direction saying this is, this is horrible and bad and you can't support it. And on the other side, it's like, it's their brother that right. they love. And, and so I think that's going to be a little tough for them to navigate. But all in all, um, I hate to minimize, but it, it really kind of hasn't been a big issue. It was, it was a conversation and, and, and everybody's, been, everybody's been awesome and, and Max is Max. So. Yep. Well, I think that's honestly really how it should be, that you waited until he was ready and, and it was just a conversation and this carrying on of, you're still the same person you are. And I think that's what so many people miss is that just because you found out this one little bit of information about somebody doesn't change the person you know and the person you've loved. It's still that same person to the core. So that's awesome. And we have a 
<laughs> a little bit crass way that, that we kind of parent with our kids, but um, we, we want them to know, like, we fully expect them to have the freedom to be who they are mm-hmm. and to pursue whatever happiness is for them. And, and that encompasses, like, what they want to do with their education, where they want to work, you know, what, what their interests are, who they choose to love, who they choose to marry, whether they choose to marry, if they want kids, yeah. all of that. We let our kids know, and like I said, this is a little crass, but we tell them, listen, our expectation of you is that you pursue what makes you happy and don't be a dick. Like, <laughs> don't, don't hurt people on the way to pursuing yep. what makes you happy, but if you're not hurting people on the way to make what makes you happy, we are 100% for it and love and support whatever that happy means for you. That's awesome. Cool. Are you too religious at all? We both actually were raised in the Mormon church. Um, Neither of us are actively religious anymore. But both of our exes are very religious and our children go to church with them when they're with them. So they have that different dynamic to work with as well. Any advice on how to, or any input on how you guys have successfully managed to build the culture and the expectations and the discipline when with the kids when they are in your home when they have a whole different set of those things with their other parent any advice on how to how to, how to balance that for instance the youth on homosexuality i mean that's a big one that you guys mentioned there that made me think of this yeah i think it's like what jessica that and i are the opposite like jessica and i do go to church still and we're kind of your other home, right? <laughs> and how can, I mean, I think that this would be an absolutely amazing episode if your exes would be open to listening to it of how you can you know, work together. But yeah, sorry. So for a long time, when I stopped going to church, my kids were like, you're bad because you don't go to church. And that one like was a dagger. Cause I'm like, cause I don't go to church. Doesn't make me a bad person. My choices make me a good or bad person. Um, And so it was just navigating that in the beginning. But I think the biggest thing is just consistency. Like this is how we parent. This is the rules at our house. There's always going to be those bleeding lines that his kids stay up super late. My kids go to bed super early. His kids on weekends wake up late, like 10, 11. And my kids are up by seven. Like there's those lines that will always bleed. And it's just, it's picking those battles of what's really worth it. Like, to go to bed late and get up early on a weekend, it's not worth it. But if it's going to affect like who they are and what they're going to become as an adult, those are the battles I think we fight when we're like, oh, I'm not okay with that parenting style. And as far like directly kind of how we, we've handled some of the difference in, in religious stuff, you know, our, our kids obviously know we don't go to church, but we, we have made it really, really clear to them if they want to go when they're with us, we're fully in support of that. We don't stand in the way. We don't say you can't go. It's, it's your time here. You know, we've, we've told them, we've been like, if you want to go to church, like we'll take you to church. If you want to go to church, like we'll go with you and go to church to be with you if that's what you want to do. And to this, I mean, that's happened maybe twice in, in two years that, that they've wanted to go, but when they've been with us, but, but we've just been, we've tried to take the heat out of the situation like it's not a big deal for us. You know, we, again, we want them to pursue what makes them happy. If that's going to church, that's awesome. We'll, we're totally in support of that. We're, we're totally okay with that. And then Steve, one thought that I had when you were kind of asking that when I left the church after a lifetime in the church, somebody asked me a really funny question. I was like, wow, I, I guess I didn't really thought that people think that way, but they're like, if you're not going to church, like, how will you know what your morals are? Like, how will you know what's right and wrong? And I was like, 
I know what's right and wrong. Like, you know, like my, my choice to be a good person isn't dictated by, by where I go in, on Sunday. Uh, and so I, I think that that actually has been really good for our kids to see because while, um, you know, Ashley talks about this experience of her kids initially being like, you're bad, you don't go to church. Um, like anything else, your example screams louder than anything that they ever hear. And so them being able to watch, oh, maybe you don't go to church, but like you are a good person. You care about people. You don't lie. You don't steal. Like you do things in the way that I have been taught as a moral way to live. I think seeing that has been far more important than, you know, any, any rules we could have made or any conversations we could have had. Just like showing up and being good people, and being good parents and loving our kids has been the, like the hallmark most important thing. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've made a point with Penny because there, there are things that come up at church that obviously don't go along with Steve's lifestyle. <laughs> and I'm like, Penny, this does not matter. I said, it doesn't matter. I said, all that matters is that your dad is a good person. He is a good guy. And you know that, and that is all that matters. And I'm like, you don't have to worry about all of that. Just because somebody, like you're saying, doesn't go to church, doesn't determine whether they're a good or bad person. Just because somebody drinks doesn't mean they're a good or bad person. Just because of whatever doesn't mean they're a good or bad person. Like I just, and I think that's great. One of the things I do appreciate about Penny being in the situation is she gets all these views. Like she gets to see our side of things. She gets to see Steve's side of things and realize that people are good and that's awesome. And that's all that matters. So that's great. Yeah. I just love that she gets to see that there are different paths available to different people in life. And there isn't just one path that leads to happiness or leads to a successful life. Yeah. We, we feel exactly the same way that, you know, we're, we're doing our best to, to live a good and, and meaningful and productive life and, and let our kids see that. And it's, it's not only that it's okay that they see a different way than what they're seeing in their other home. I think it's beneficial um, for, for them to go, Hey, look, there's, there's other paths. I really get to connect with, with what calls to me to, to find happiness and production and, 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 you know, positivity rather than just go like, listen, there's this one way, there's this one set of guide rails that has been put up and this is the only way I can live. They have the opportunity to, to forge the right path for them. And you know, that's it. Everybody tells you like what we really want is for our kids to be happy. But I think so often the mistake we make in that with parents is we go, this was the path that made me happy. So I want you to be happy. So you have to do that path. So it makes you happy too. Yeah. But although there are kids, they're also their, their own individual people and the path, their path to happiness might look a little different than yours. And so I think empowering them with, you know, the, the crass message we have of like, do what makes you happy. Just don't hurt people while you're doing it. Yep. Um, hopefully gives them the freedom to, to find that right path for them so they can be them, their best, their happiest, their most productive selves through life. I love that. I'm going to start saying that to Penny. Don't be a dick. <laughs> She'll be like, oh! I know it's crass, but it's like kids hear that. And yeah, it they get it. Mind what kids hear at school, like, and that's what resonates with them. So it's like they relate to it better yep. than everyone says be nice, but like, yeah all have like the cute sweet kid that's a bully and we're like crap that's our kid that's being mean like they so it's just connected for our kids that's awesome well i think you guys are crushing it oh thank you awesome yeah it was great to officially meet you you too (laughs) you have any questions for us yeah oh you can ask any questions 
So I'm sure you guys have talked about this like a ton, but but when people that know you guys do this and the three of you have got, you know, a relationship that's allowed you to get to this point of, of being able to like sit down and coexist and, and get in the same room, like if there were a couple like us, what would be like your top one or two tips you've learned to just be like, this, this is the thing that we thought that helped us get to the point where we can all get along well. Do a podcast together with your... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just... It's funny to me how much our relationship between the three of us has grown from doing this podcast because not because of the podcast itself, but just because it's the three of us trying to understand each other better, offering our backstory, understanding each other's backstory. Opening up all lines of communication. Like Steve has learned probably a ton about me and my backstory, which allows him to understand where I'm coming from. And likewise, like I've learned so much about Steve's backstory, where he's coming from and has allowed me to accept really who he is. And, you know, obviously I know Jessica really well. And I think just gaining in any relationship in life, when you stop and find out where someone has been and how they got to where they are today, you will connect with that person so much better and you will have so much more love for that person and so much more understanding for anything that you may have been intolerant of before or impatient with before. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Awesome. And I think for me, it's really come, it really comes down to looking at things in a different way, like with co-parenting, with parenting, with working, you know, in my marriage, all of that. Okay. How can I see this situation differently? Like if I'm viewing this in a negative way or I'm feeling very uncomfortable with it, why am I uncomfortable and how can I change that thought process to make it different? How can I see things differently so that I can be okay in that situation? Because most of them, most of the situations you're put in, especially as a parent and a co-parent, you can't do anything about. <laughs> you can only deal with what you are dealing with and what you're feeling and then you got to let go of everything else. Yeah. It's a great lesson in uh, letting go of control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Well, it's been really great talking to you guys. You too. Oh. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you. And hopefully next time we're in Utah, we'll get to connect with you guys. Please, Please do. We would love that. Hey, everyone. For the takeaway this week, we just wanted to really let you guys know that it is so important to love yourselves. We change. Our bodies change. Things change. And so we got to learn to love ourselves in a new way, no matter what phase of life. And don't let anybody tell you where you should be at or what you should be doing. You pay attention to what feels right for you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please go share it on social media. Take a screenshot, tag husband-in-law. And if you have a question, go to Apple Podcasts and put a rating and review and write the question in the review. We will be sure to answer it for you.